Blimey! Here be dragons. There was a point not too long ago where a man stopped being judged by the size of his speakers. Instead, it became what he did with his speakers that mattered. This is not a metaphor. The opening sequence of Back to the Future is a perfect example of this bigger-is-better mentality. After watching Doc Brown's elaborate dog food dispenser do its thing, Marty shows up and plugs his tiny guitar into Doc Brown's speaker system and turns the amplifier up to 11. The tiny guitar doesn't emasculate Marty, nor does Marty's, Michael J. Fox's, adorable size, because it's the speaker that ultimately matters, and that is one big speaker. At some point between Back to the Future in 1985 and today, men stopped being judged by the size of their speaker systems, though. They are still judged by their adorableness, however. I'm thinking that point was 2001. Not the movie. The year. In 2001, the iPod came out, and with that, smaller was the new bigger. Also, white headphones. Who saw that coming? Post-iPod, it became a matter of who had the smallest means of playing the most music. 1,000 songs in your pocket? Oh yeah, well, 2,000 songs in my pocket. Oh yeah, well, 4,000 songs in my tiny jeans pocket. You know, the one that had been useless up until this point? Yeah, that pocket. I've got 4,000 songs in there. Oh yeah, well, what about 5,000 songs clipped to my shirt on a tiny music player that has no screen and no buttons? Hell yeah, it's so small I can't even choose a song because choosing songs is for girls. It sounds ridiculous, but all of this actually happened. Like, recently. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I still haven't gotten over Michael J. Fox's tiny guitar. Up until 2001, it was all about audio fidelity. It was about nuance. Here are my enormous speakers. Here, let's listen to Dark Side of the Moon on vinyl, man. You can hear everything. Every strum of the guitar, every cymbal, every cash register ching, every time an Oompa Loompa dies. It's all there. In 2001, the script flipped, though. Suddenly, it wasn't about fidelity at all. Instead, it was, here, let's listen to a layman-coded 128 kilobits per second mp3 file of money. We'd listen to the whole album, but money is all I could find on Napster. The quality isn't great, but you can kind of hear the oopas dying. With the advent of mp3s, for the first time, we went from increasing convenience and increasing quality, from vinyl to tape to compact disc, to just increasing convenience. mp3s in 2001 were total crap. They were great because you could fit 10,000 of them in an mp3 player the size of a chiclet, but they were terrible from an audiophile standpoint. Every time a cash register chings, an audio nerd's ears bleed a little more. Now, though, ten years later, we're getting back to the quality half of the equation. The future is already here. High bitrate mp3s just haven't been evenly distributed yet. It took a little while, but if you want, you can now buy music digitally at higher than CD quality. And people do. People, that is. Not me. I'm not an audiophile, you see. Probably because my hearing is shot from all those Guar concerts. But a couple weeks ago, I got to see, or hear, what life is like from the perspective of an audiophile. I'll warn you right now, it's a scary place. There's lots of mahogany. Okay, well, maybe not lots, but more than you'd think. Which is to say, any at all. Our tale takes place at a little store called B&H Photo and Video in Midtown Manhattan. And by little, I mean ridiculously large. B&H is sort of a mecca for photography and AV nerds. 
Well, it would be a Mecca if it weren't staffed almost exclusively by Hasidic Jews. I guess that makes it more Jerusalemish, really? Point is, B&H is an awesome store. It was opened in 1973 by husband and wife team Herman and Blimey, yes, Blimey, Schreiber. From the moment you walk in, you know it's different. This is because there's an elaborate Doc Brown-esque series of conveyor belts and lifts running above your head, sending equipment to and fro for no discernible reason. It's like Rube Goldberg meets Henry Ford, with more yarmulkes. I was at B&H to check out headphones with an audiophile. He was shopping for a new pair of cans. This is apparently what audiophiles call their headphones. The headphone section of B&H consists of a two-sided divider stocked with about 40 pairs of headphones that are all hooked into a single tiny MP3 player. That MP3 player is playing terrible, terrible pop music at the highest possible fidelity in order to demonstrate the full range of the thousands of dollars worth of audio equipment sitting in front of you, including, yes, mahogany headphones. The mahogany headphones are from a company called Grotto. They're a family-run company based out of Brooklyn, and all their gear is assembled by hand. To my knowledge, they are not Jewish. Grotto's PS1000 series is their most expensive pair of headphones. According to their website, they use a handcrafted mahogany inner sleeve and non-resonant metal alloy outer housing to ensure that every audio detail comes through and your wallet is empty. Okay, on second thought, they might be Jewish, actually. How did the headphones sound, you ask? Mm, pretty good, I guess. Again, I'm no audiophile, but damn, Justin Bieber never sounded so terrible in such high fidelity. But did he sound $1,695 good? Mm, not so much. I think that's what it all comes down to. Money. It's a drag. That's what it's been all along. Audio equipment as proxies for cash. Back in the day, the most expensive and impressive thing you could buy were huge speakers. So that's what the discerning dude bought. He bought the hugest speakers he could afford. Look at my speakers! Look at them! Now, though, small things are more impressive and more expensive, so that's what the discerning dudes buy. Behold, my $1,700 headphones and my MP3 player that fits in my pocket's inner pocket. It contains every song ever written by man. Big speakers are still awesome. They're just out of style is all. So are tiny guitars. Sorry, Marty. <laughs>